Welcome to our very first episode of I Let the Dogs Out podcast. I am one half of your host team, Jamie. And I'm Ben. And we're here to drop training knowledge on you every day in a totally dope and force-free way. So we are so excited to be here to finally record our very first episode. Uh, We are going to take this episode to just kind of get a little bit of a better understanding of ourselves as trainers so that you guys can, I don't know, just like get to know us and stuff. I'm so not used to talking on a microphone, so I'm so sorry <laughs> that it's going to be a really awkward episode. But and, you know, it's it, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll both get used to it. Don't worry. I'll talk a little bit too, so that not all of the mistakes are on your end. Don't oh, worry. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> so to kind of get into it a little bit. So uh, my name's Jamie. I own a canine training business here in Winnipeg. So with our business, we do definitely focus on training in a force-free manner. So my specific, I don't know if I would say specialty, um, because I am definitely still learning, is I'm very, very passionate about reactivity. So my kind of goal is to help owners Uh, just get better educated on reading body language and how to create a more kind of Zen environment for their reactive dog. I used to work at the Humane Society and that's actually kind of where it's, I don't know if this is where me and Ben met because I'm not entirely sure how we met. I think it was through social media, but it was through the link of the Humane Society, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think (laughs) the first time we ever talked in person because we did, you know, know about each other through social media. But the first time we ever talked in person was at the Humane Society. Um, I think you were just about to do the canine handler stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Daniel was down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So me and Ben Um, have both been at the Humane Society, which is fantastic. Um, When I was there, I focused, I was primarily in foster. So I was helping with kind of... uh, like the intake of foster animals, getting them all prepped up, getting them out into foster homes. I also did some work at in the behavior office as well as the adoptions floor. And that is where I met my little golden chicken nugget, Carter Bow. So, <laughs> and right, you adopted him from the Humane Society. Yeah. And he was the yeah. very first dog that I ever trained on. Um, and his little golden face just like brought me in. <laughs> He's so handsome, but I had absolutely no idea what I was doing at the time. I didn't realize the uh, like the needs he had at the time as well because I was so new at it. But needless to say, he is the reason that I'm here today, uh, just in terms of how much I've grown and learned as a trainer because of him. I would actually say that I am a trainer because of him because it was a steep learning curve when I brought home a big old reactive pit bull mix. <laughs> so yeah. it ended up going pretty well in the end, but let's hear I'm, a little bit from you and talk yeah, about kind of say, like your training journey. I am basically was... I was thinking there are a lot of parallels because, you know, I also worked at the Humane Society, um, not my first dog, but my, uh, my, my parents, uh, next, uh, dog. It was our, our second family dog, but she was, um, about five years old when we adopted her. She's a German shepherd, uh, Australian shepherd mix. She was, and still, you know, is, but with, she's a lot better through, uh, management and training. Um, but she 
you know, was reactive as well. Um, and through kind of the just, you know, she was struggling. So that's where I started to get into training. Um, I was uh, through, you know, recently 2019, I was um, both a behavior counselor um, and the uh, behavior programs coordinator um, at the Humane Society. Um, and yeah, that's kind of um, just a brief truncated history of <laughs> how I got into training and uh, where I'm at recently. But I do have, uh, you know, my own uh, training of my own. Um, but yeah. It's so crazy too, like how many parallels, I swear, not every, but like a good chunk of trainers that I meet, they started training because they adopted or they had a reactive dog. And it was through the process of trying to understand that dog better that they were like, oh my gosh, like everyone needs to know this information. And I've had this conversation with a few other people and I, maybe you are one of them, but empathy, (laughs) empathy is a very, very strong concept putting yourself in somebody else's shoes um you know and we were talking about this beforehand you try not to anthropomorphize um a a dog too much because you don't want to you know ruin the the science of it because dogs are dogs and they should be treated as such they shouldn't be treated as wolves they should be treated as dogs so um it's it's the empathy and really going through that with them. It's, it's super beneficial. Yeah. 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 And it's a big thing too. kind of just like generalizing it. It's just kind of manage. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time trying to think about what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say here, managing your expectations. And while you're not trying to, I'll let you say the word because I always anthropomorphize. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Try not to anthropomorphize them or, oh my gosh, it's honestly so bad. I can't say it. It's like a mental block for me. Everybody Uh, knows what you mean now. It's okay. (laughs) Well, at least I have you here to assist me here. (laughs) So it's kind of just thinking about it from their perspective as well, though. Like, how would you want to be treated in that scenario? And it's one of those things that I find is so fascinating to me and why I am very passionate about force retraining is because nine times out of 10, people just frankly do not understand that their dog isn't reacting because they're mean. They're not reacting Mm -hmm. because they're spoiled. They're not reacting because they're being spiteful. They're seriously reacting because they are having a fear response. And it's kind of like the same way as like, if I scared the crap out of you while you like walked around the corner and you like jumped up, that's like, just kind of, not that it's the exact same thing, but it's kind of like they're feeling that to an extent, right? They have no control over the fact that they're, they're, reacting in this way and it's so important to be able to kind of share that knowledge with dog owners and help them just kind of bring in all those good vibes you know because once you realize what your dog is actually feeling and why they're reacting this way and you're realizing that they're not doing it out of spite and they're actually doing it because they're scared you can really open up that relationship and build those really really strong bonds so that's super fantastic yeah um just to just to touch on that Um, And it kind of goes back to how I got into uh, dog training. Uh, A few books that I just kind of read when I was, you know, getting interested in it. Um, Books by uh, Patricia McConnell, just in general. She has a lot of material out there. Um, How to Speak Dog by Stanley Mm -hmm. Karen. 
um, Inside of a Dog by Alexander Horowitz was so good at uh, giving me that, you know, not just perspective, but, you know, realizing what dogs' senses um, go into, like, how they see the world. They smell the world first, so those you know, stimuli can be a lot more powerful for them than they are for us. So we have to understand that, you know, that may be more of a trigger for them. Um, and, you know, don't shoot the dog by uh, Karen Pryor's, the the classic one. Um, yeah. That, and she talks a lot more about even just general animal behavior modification, not just dogs. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean... It even talks about how to get along better with like your parents or your partner. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, So we'll definitely (laughs) also be linking all those different books as well for you guys. So once you listen to this episode, take a look at our Instagram page and I will make a little list of all our recommended reading. So let's actually get down to training. So one of the biggest things that I find when I'm kind of like listening to new clients come in, or even when before I was dog training, what I would maybe be looking for, uh, it's really, really hard to filter through all the different terminology. And I even know like when I first started training, I had no idea what any of these terms meant. So it's kind of something that we wanted to bring to you guys, because especially with social media being as prominent as it is today, it's really important that we are making sure we're making educated choices with our dog trainers. So one of the biggest, biggest things that I always like to promote is followers do not equal proper education when it comes to dog training. So I actually, I saw a post kind of filtering through the other day that stated reactivity could happen with your dog because you allowed them to walk two feet in front of you while on leash. So when I look back on the followers, she had over 22 thousand followers on Instagram. So it's just kind of things like that, that kind of gets you wondering, okay, where is this information coming from? What sort of education does she have to back it? Unfortunately, in that case, there was none of those things, but that's a totally different ball game. So we're here just to kind of help you with some general terms that you can look for on Facebook Uh, groups on Instagram pages, or just even when you're kind of like looking through trainers and you're talking to them, looking at their terminology and how they say they go about their training practices is really important. So uh, I'll get Ben to kind of explain these for you. So we're going to start off with force free and what you might see is a capital R and a plus. So do you want to kind of explain what that means? So uh, force free, free, what that means is Uh, exactly what it sounds like. You're not forcing your dog or your cat into any sort of situation to, and um, what people may see that, you know, oh, they'll see that's all going to be okay. Those are the situations where you don't want to force your dog into. Um, It's about giving them a lot of choice. That is the it's the main concept and that's the way I see, you know, force-free training. If you want to maybe add some more to that. Yeah, totally. So that's like a big thing for me. So I know like there is 
you will see a lot of reward-based trainers and that's kind of where that R plus comes from. Uh, they are force free. So again, it's just like you, like you're, the concept is we're not forcing our dog into either situations, positions, or anything out of their like where they don't want to be there. Right. So that's making sure, like you said, the power of choice is so, so important when we're working with these dogs. A lot of the times we are working with dogs with fear and anxiety issues. So when you see um, training and we'll get into that a little bit more when we explain what balance training is, but you'll see if you are forcing them into a situation, a lot of the times them being emotionally shut down or kind of experiencing learned helplessness comes off as obedience. And that's a big, big kind of misconception when it comes to our dogs is a lot of the times we're not giving them choice. So we choose so like we are in control of our dog's lives completely, even if we're force free, right? Like we choose when they get to eat, we choose when they go on a walk, we choose every aspect of their life. So giving them the option to choose when we're able to do so can really, really change a dog's perspective. Uh, it can also help build that bond between the two of you because like, if you just think about it, like you want to be able to make choices. It's really important. (laughs) It's, it's very true. They have, uh, you know, a lack of control, a certain degree of a lack of control over their, you know, resources. So giving them a lot of choice in other scenarios, you know, in most scenarios can really increase trust and confidence. Um, you know, done the right way, you can, it can only, you know, uh, increase your, uh, relationship. Why I really, really enjoy force-free training is because we know that our dogs are performing because they genuinely want to, and they're choosing to, we, they're not performing potentially because they're being forced to, or through coercion or because they're scared to not to do something Mm -hmm. else. Right. Um, so I find like with my own experience, uh, because I like, I don't know how far back people know about my experience with dog training, but unfortunately when I very, very first started out, I ended up at a facility that at the time, like I wasn't most dog trainers do. And that's just (laughs) honestly, I wasn't. Yeah. That's just the name of the game. Yeah. And they, uh, so, but the older trainers that were there, were recommending certain training techniques. And to me, being someone who didn't really know about dogs at the time, kind of trusted what they were saying because they've been in the business for like 50 years. Of course, they should know how to train a dog, right? Um, so with Carter, unfortunately, as unfortunate to say, I didn't go to the point where I was using like aversive tools to to a point, but I definitely thought about it. Um, I was definitely like, I did inquire about what e-callers are. And cause there's all these posts, you see these, like these Instagram people with like 50,000 followers working on these aggressive dogs with e-callers. And, and I'm sure you knew this when you you guys first got Sadie, if you get in a, a reactive dog before you know all of this stuff, it feels so overwhelming. Like I can't even imagine, like I can't even count the amount of times I like call my mom bawling my eyes up. So it's like, I don't know what I got myself into. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then it's just like, you, you learn all about it. Then of course now we're where we're at because of it. So that's a totally different ball game, but it just, it feels so overwhelming and it's so, so simple. 
uh, and or sorry, I shouldn't say simple. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the kind of jazz that comes with aversive tools because it's a quick thing. Like you're like, oh my gosh, this person trained this dog to not aggressively go after dogs in like a whole hour. That's it. It only took them an hour. So it fancy. Well, and I was talking to a client about this today because they had asked me about a bark collar, um, which is a obviously a big no no. Um, it's the fancy products are, I mean, really alluring, you know, yeah. and it's and punishment is unfortunately reinforcing to the punisher because it momentarily stops the inappropriate or suppresses the behavior, unwanted behavior. The only issue yeah. is that, you know, long-term it's your only conditioning negative association. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's 10 times, you know, better to do force free. Yeah. And that's a big thing too. And that's kind of why we wanted to start off this episode with just kind of explaining what all of these training terms mean, because we're kind of talking back to Mm -hmm. me four years ago and you, when you first got Sadie and talking to us as if we were at that point in our lives, because I really, really do wish that I had a better understanding at the time. And I wasn't so easily influenced by these big social media platforms that uh, they just have a lot of jazz, but not a lot of substance behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked about what force-free and R plus is. So R plus is positive reinforcement. So getting into that, do you want to kind of explain what the four quadrants of learning are and kind of how they pertain to dog training? Yeah. So just a quick summary, there's positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. So Positive and negative means that you are either adding something to, in this case, your dog's environment, or negative, you are removing something from your dog's environment. Reinforcing means that you are increasing a certain behavior. Punishment means that you are decreasing a certain behavior. (laughs) Yeah. So just to kind of summarize with the four quadrants of learning, so we have Positive means adding something. Negative means taking it away. So it's kind of hard when you are starting to look at training your dog because to us, positive means good and negative means bad. So it's really important to kind of differentiate between are we talking about an emotional state or are we talking about actual like training? So when we're talking about Lima, so that's least intrusive, minimally aversive, that's where you're going to see the Lima policy is on a lot of the certifications that you can get as a dog trainer. Um, A lot of places won't allow you to become certified if you use a more balanced approach. So with that being said, Ben, do you want to kind of get into the what balanced means? Because I know for me, when I first started, balance seems very nice and appealing because who doesn't love a little bit more balance in their life right exactly yeah (laughs) it sounds it all sounds good and um you know on the surface it looks like it makes sense and it would be effective but it's basically using all four quadrants um and you know uh when your dog does something bad you are able to use um, positive punishment. Um, That's frankly my um, short definition of balance training. I did do some, uh, you know, apprentice work actually uh, with 
um, a balanced trainer. Um, and she was, I mean, not as aversive as a lot of balanced trainers could be, but like even the use of like a water bottle, a squirt bottle, that is definitely aversive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, things are, I mean, this kind of gets away to what balanced trainers are, but things are aversive. I mean, can be aversive to a certain degree. Um, but that is another, you know, discussion for another time. But as for balanced trainers, they are more able to use things like negative reinforcement and positive punishment. Yeah. And I think what you're kind of like talking about, uh, where we'll get onto it at a different point Mm -hmm. is just talking about kind of how that's where Lima sort of comes into play because there's no possible way that you can be strictly positive reinforcement based because there are aversives just in within your environment. Right. Uh, but that's a, that's a talk for a whole, a whole episode, I would say. So, uh, kind of just to recap balance. So if you are looking for dog trainers and again, like guys, we are force free trainers here. So obviously we will be sort of promoting that way at the end of the day, though, do your research, make an educated decision based on what will work best for you. There's absolutely no judgment from us, from Don't allow people to judge you and create choices for you. We're just here to kind of give information that we've obtained through years and education or years of experience Mm -hmm. in education. Sorry. (laughs) So kind of just to, to go back onto what balance training is, is as a sort of a generalized training technique is they do use positive punishment. So a lot of times they'll use aversive training tools like pinch collars, shock collars, uh, like bark collars, just to kind of, in a way, it's a, a, a type of Band-Aid method to a point. But again, we're going to get into that at a different time because it is something that I would like to go on to, into a little bit further. Uh, and I don't want to kind of take up too, it goes too much a lot of your guys' time. the science of it. Yeah, and, yeah. There's you know, a not going into, into all that. of it would... Yeah. We would we, be might here not all do night. justice. <laughs> exactly. Well, we, we, would, we could talk for a while, I'm yeah. sure. So with that being said, now that we talked about all those fun little training... Uh, training terms and terminology that you're going to see at the end of the day, we really want to kind of drive these points home, look for education. So you're going to see a lot of people who are very committed to providing the best experience for your dog are going to be the people who are taking that time and the investment and investing in themselves and making sure that they're always up to date with the most, uh, oh my gosh, blanking, blanking, Ben help. (laughs) up-to-date training methods my goodness <laughs> there you go I was blanking too I was like oh no I'm not ready for this That's funny. Uh, so pretty much yeah continuing education is so so important so one good thing like with a lot of certifications they do require continuing education so to like make sure that you're staying up to date uh, to renew your certification you have to show that you've done a certain amount of hours of continued education and make sure that you're I've said up to date and continued education at least five times a sentence. So oh, I'm yeah. not going to say it again. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I just kept was, going. <laughs> every time I'm having a conversation about dog training, I'm thinking, wow, I say, you know, choice or yeah. I say, you know, condition a positive emotion response. Yeah. Uh, j- but just to go back to our, our little certifications, I feel like we should start a chant that's like, what's important? And continuing education oh, <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I guarantee the next time 
Oh, no, I shouldn't guarantee. You shouldn't make any guarantees in dog training. That's another thing that you should look in a trainer. If a trainer actually guarantees something, or then... A t- yeah, a, t- a time yeah. guarantee. I will train your exactly. dog in 10 minutes or Every dog or... is different. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I guarantee that I'm going to have a chant ready for next I am looking forward to that. (laughs) Honestly, this is what I'm here for are cheesy little jingles and chants. So I just wanted to kind of talk about a couple more things in terms of certification. So a couple big ones to, to look at. The CPDT is a really good one to look for for your certified trainers. Uh, the Karen Pryor Academy is great as well. Uh, there's the Companion Animal Science Institute that I've heard really good things from. Uh, the Pet Professional Guilds, that one's a good one to yeah. look for. We will probably do a completely to- like a totally separate episode kind of going over what these different certifications are, what they mean. And then I've heard a lot of good s- things about Karen Pryor. Yeah, I've heard... I should well, look into it too. She, she's like... The OG, like, you exactly. know, she's, yeah. a good, she's good. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll also be starting uh, Julie Naismith. I think I'm butchering that last separation name. Separation anxiety? Yeah, the pro trainer program. Or yeah. I should say separation related problems. Yeah, well, they they have it. It's a separation anxiety. It's like SA pro trainer program. Okay. Well, so like, and are, that's, sorry, that's another thing about how, you know, the force-free world it is constantly changing separation anxiety um people are now starting to say well it shouldn't be you know a strictly diagnosed you know anxiety just separation related problems yeah so they're all new terms always Always. Always. Like, honestly, when I started training, it was a big thing. Like, usually, like, if you're doing reward-based practices, you would use primarily positive reinforcement with negative punishment when needed. So, a big example of how you would use negative punishment when I had first started off was if a dog would jump up, you'd ask for an alternative behavior, but you would turn your back away. So, that would be taking away attention to, like decrease the frequency of them jumping up. There is a big push to airless learning. And I'm honestly going to say, I, I don't know a lot about it, but we do have a guest who's going to be coming on uh, in the next few episodes to talk to us a little bit more about it. And I am so excited to learn. And that's one of those things that's really cool about force-free training is there's, I feel like up until this, not up until like right now, because I'm sure it's been a couple years in the making, but I can, I can even see a shift since I've started dog training with how many new studies and how, how many new even forestry trainers are coming about. So it's really cool and really interesting to see all these new things that we're able to learn because it's one of those things where it's like we're always learning something new and there's always something more that we can understand about our dogs, which is a really cool point. Yeah, um, and that's why continuing education is so important that you stay up to date. What's important? Continuing education. Continuing education. I'll work on the chat. Like, I'll work on it. I, oh, come on. <laughs> I need I'll work to find on like it. a good jingle for that. I'm just going to pre-record it and just like start <laughs> putting it on everything. Um, but speaking of jingles, we have for you guys our very first segment of crew stories. So originally it was called our feel good story of the month. However, our very first crew story had me bawling my eyes out. So I had to change the name. So without further ado, here's our first segment of crew stories. It's crew story time. 
you guys aren't afraid to let that crazy dog lover flag fly. And to us, that's pretty rad. Our crew stories are stories brought to us by you, our listeners, so that we can showcase how truly amazing the bonds with our four-legged furry family members can be. So, without further ado, let's get at it. Welcome, welcome to our very first installment of our crew story segment. So this story is coming at us from Rianne and Cooper. And I got to tell you guys, I'm going to try my absolute best to get through this, but it is going to be a struggle. This story isn't of success or horrors, but Cooper was our feel-good dog. So here's his story. When my boyfriend got his house, we knew we wanted a dog. Within the year, we browsed, but we never came across a dog that fit. One day, he showed me a picture of the sweetest-looking, year-and-a-half-old shepherd cross at the Humane Society, Draymond. We popped on over to meet him, and it was love at first sight. This pooch had cataracts, which required drops likely for the rest of his life, so the adoption counselors warned us that it would be a long-term health commitment. We pushed on, and we took him home that day. So began the journey that was Cooper. Within a few days, we found a lump on his back. We called the Humane Society, and we brought him back to get it tested right away. They opted to remove the lump just to be safe, but between a scare with not being able to find him in the back due to a card mishap and the stress of having our new pup in surgery, I was thankful to finally have him home. The next year was great. We went on adventures, and he's really the happiest boy around. He loves everyone he meets, adults, kids, dogs, cats, you name it. He pushes me to try out classes, and I even start working at a dog daycare. The dog crazy lady stage has begun. However, we start noticing he's slowing down and seems to ignore us a lot. Super unlike him. One day, he wakes up screaming because he can't get up, and off to the vet we go. X-rays show he's likely been hit by a car in his past and it wasn't treated properly, and he is much older than they originally thought. Vet's best guess was anywhere between 8 to 11 years old. He was also likely losing his hearing. Cooper's life slowed down dramatically after that. Any walks we did had to be short, but lucky for us, our yard is practically a park. Our yard was his favorite place in the whole wide world. We even did an intro to rally course together, as it was easy on his joints and something he could learn with minimal hearing. Throughout all of this, he was his happiest, most laid-back dog I had ever met. We brought in a puppy, Kodiak, to be his little brother. This really brightened him up, and did they ever love each other. Little did we know, he was in much more pain than he let on. This summer, we noticed his behavior start to change again. He was anxious, had a stuffy nose, and was even having accidents in the house. Off to the vet again, who brushed us off saying it was a bladder infection and some seasonal allergies. He wasn't his happy self anymore, and I knew in my gut that something was wrong, so we decided to get a second opinion. Our new vet had us bring him in as she was really concerned of the symptoms that we had described. One x-ray showed a massive blob on his chest that was pushing against his lungs, causing the cough we noted. They also noted that he had severe arthritis that had taken over his spine. With the loving guidance of our vet, we had to make the decision to let him go right there. With COVID, only one of us could be there at the time, which was the hardest thing imaginable. He went full of treats next to his dad. My God, who? I'm good, I'm rallying you guys. (laughs) 
ever pushed me into the dog world. I've tried so many classes, sports, and have met so many amazing people thanks to him. I also learned from him to never be afraid to ask questions and to advocate for your dog. Never let anybody tell you that your gut feelings aren't valid. He was such a special dog, definitely a huge part of my boyfriend's heart. We only got four years with him, but it was such a special time. He was one of a kind. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And truly irreplaceable. Oh, thank you guys so much for sharing that story. Cooper sounds like he was the most special dog in the whole entire world. And I really appreciate you guys sharing that with us and with our listeners. Uh, but Ben, you're going to have to read the next story because I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> oh, If you guys have a story that you want us to share, please email us at iletthedogsout at candorcanineco.com. And thank you so, so much again, Rianne, Cooper, and Kodiak for giving us the honor of sharing your story. first cruise story. It was truly a special story and I'm so happy that they took the time to share that with us. So again, if you guys do have a story that you want to be featured, please let us know. That being said, we are going to go and talk a little bit more about ourselves because we haven't talked about ourselves enough. So Ben, take it away. Tell me a little bit more about your business, where people can find you and maybe a service that you're really excited about or something that's going on in your life that you're wanting to share. Yeah, so I'll I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, <laughs> www.politepets.ca. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, polite underscore pets, and uh, Facebook. I believe it's polite pets BTC for behavior training and care. Um, and so basically, I do um, basic behavior training and care. Uh, but a service that uh, I've recently um, added because um, I have uh, a new home location. I'm doing a doggy day school and board and train. Um, and uh, it's, it so far has been going really well. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's kind of where, where I'm at with my uh business and it looks like uh for you candor has a lot going on you have a couple of new things always (laughs) always i honestly i have that type of personality where i'm sure you guys have noticed just listening to me i talk fast i have to do things fast like it's a thing uh but yeah candor has been actually doing well like i'm pretty happy with where we're at. We're actually celebrating our four year on January 18th. I'm really excited. Uh, But we've been, I've been really kind of focusing again on just growth for myself educationally this, this year. It's been like a, it's been two weeks. I've been focusing on that longer than this, but this is kind of my goal for the year. So, uh, so yeah, Candor is a canine behavior business. We, I specialize in reactivity because obviously Carter kind of sparked that in me. So I love, 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 love helping owners help 
help owners help their dogs. You know what I mean? Uh, so one thing that I'm really excited for is I just started a new wedding service. Don't know yeah. if you've heard about it. Wedding bells. So I'm actually getting married this year and that's kind of what sparked it to me. So shout out to Nicole, the lash therapist, because I was getting my eyebrows <laughs> and she was like, would you do this service? And I was like, heck yes, I would. So this service is, you can pay me to be your dog's wedding date. <laughs> as, so, as soon as you posted the service, I'm like, that's such a good idea. Yeah. And it, it kind of stemmed too, because I was wondering what I would do with my own dogs. Unfortunately, Carter having the, um, sensitivities that he has they wouldn't be able to come to the wedding anyways but it kind of had me thinking about the fact that obviously our furry family members are in fact family Mm -hmm. members and you want them at your wedding so what the service involves is it involves a couple walks uh, before the wedding so that we can build a bond and they can realize that I'm a I'm a good time I'm a fun person I am the novelty treat lady Uh, (laughs) it also includes transportation to and from the ceremony Uh, I'll help the photographer with like getting good pictures of the dogs and hanging out with them when you don't want them in the actual action. It also involves a decompression walk afterwards to kind of get all of that stress out from the festivities and transportation back home. So it's one of those things that I've been really excited about the um, response. I wasn't too sure how, how excited people would be about it, but turns out pretty excited. All right. Well, you guys have listened to us for long enough. If you've made it this far, I do commend you. You have outdone yourselves. It's been a roller coaster of a ride, but we made it. We rallied. We're here. Our very first episode of I Let the Dogs Out podcast is live and you have officially listened to it. So thank you guys so much for joining. If you guys do, again, have a story that you want us to share, please reach out to us. If you want to follow us and keep up to date with new content and episodes, follow us on Instagram at I Let the Dogs Out Podcast. You can find Ben at polite underscore pets and myself at candor canine co. That being said, we are done. And I started on my words, but we're not redoing it. We're, we're just not redoing this. It. We made it. And you know what? Uh, I do just want to say that I'm very happy to be joining you for this podcast. I think that this is going to be a great opportunity to have great discussion, to talk about force-free training, to you know share little tidbits of knowledge to drop that knowledge to people that are willing to listen to us ramble on about dog training and stutter and forget our words. Um, (laughs) We applaud you for listening to us. Uh, But yeah, I think that, um, and like I said, uh, balanced training, it does happen to be a little bit more dramatic. So hopefully we can bring, you know, some fun to, you know, force-free training because that your dog will thank you for, you know, advocating for them and being force-free. I am so glad, Ben, that you are here because again, it's good conversation. Secondly, you guys would be stuck just listening to myself talk the whole entire time. So like, that would be (laughs) like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to share the mistakes with you. I'm so happy I have somebody to take the fall. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You said share mistakes. My bad. Share mistakes. Um, So 
with that being said, you guys, thank you so, so much. Ben, thanks for being here. And I'm so excited to see what this podcast brings. And we will see you next time. Peace. Yeah.